All right, we'll uh, go ahead and get started. Well, let's uh, let's get into the word of prayer, and then we'll we'll get class started. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings that you give us, and we thank you for the freedom and opportunity we have to worship you, to to join together and, and sing some of your your sing praises to you, and to worship you through song and to listen to your word and allow us to study and, and learn things hopefully that we can take out and use in our lives and to use to bring others to you, Lord. I ask that you be with us as we go through this class. Help it to be something that allows us to grow and, and stretch ourselves and, and learn from and, and see how we can influence others and, and how sometimes our actions have, have different effects on others as well, Lord. And help us to learn from that and, and use it to, to bring others to you. Lord, I ask that you be with us as we go through this, this continued pandemic, Lord, I, I think we, we feel that we're coming on the other end of it, through the other side of it, Lord, and we thank you for that. And just ask that you be with those who are still sick or recovering, that they recover quickly and we can get back to somewhat of a, a normal life, Lord. We just thank you for everything you do for us and for sending your son. And it's in Christ let me pray. Amen. All right, so we are uh, continuing a series that I've titled A Day in the Life. And, and it's just kind of looking at different different views of life from, from different angles of different people who've gone through different things. And just to kind of review real quick, we've gone through and looked at um, the kind of the non-Christian or the, what we consider the unchurched side of things of, of different people who really have had nothing to do with church and some, maybe some of their interactions and experience, good or bad, that they, can, that they might have and, and see and some of the things that can come out of that. Um. <clears throat> What we're going to do today is we're going to get into the Christian side of it. And, and this side I focused on kind of coming up or grew up in the church and, and some of their experiences and some of the things that they've seen and maybe how we can adjust a little bit and, and learn and, you know, how sometimes our interactions, although we may not have ill will or, or, or bad intentions, sometimes they can come off that way. And so we can look and, and see how we can maybe affect others that way. Um, I'm going to start with the two definitions that I've done every week. And the first one, sympathy. That is a shared feeling usually of sorrow, pity, or compassion for another person. You show concern for another person when you feel sympathy for them. So, you know, we're looking at that, but that what we want to get to, and the point we want to get to is what we call empathy. Empathy is stronger than sympathy. It's the ability to put yourself in the place of another and understand someone else's feeling by identifying with them. So sympathy, you kind of stand back a little bit. You, you feel sorry for them or, or you, you feel their pain maybe a little bit. You, 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 you have sympathy for them, but you don't really, I don't think, understand what it's like to be in their shoes. Empathy, you really try to put yourself in their shoes and understand what it is that they are going through. And um, we've been going through uh, a set of verses here, 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23. And Paul writes, even though I am a free man with no master, I have made a slave to all. I've I have become a slave to all people to make, to bring to bring many to Christ. Sorry. When I was with the Jews, I lived like the Jew, become to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who were under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law. I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. And the key thing here is, but I did not ignore the law of God. He still obeyed the law of God while doing this. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. 
for, I'm, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. And in mo a lot of uh, translations, most translations say, I become all things to all men, doing everything I can to save some. And in the last verse there, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. And I've added two verses for this particular study because I think it's, it applies to the first one, and maybe I should have put it in there uh, to begin with, but I think that even more so uh, with this study. In John 13, 34 through 35, and if you know me, you know this is my favorite verse or set of verses. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And, and I think that is important. The first one I think is important because, excuse me, sorry, because we need to put our, be able to put ourselves in other people's shoes if we're going to convert them. Right? It, it's hard sometimes to understand what someone's going through if we're going to bring them to Christ. If we can't put ourselves in their shoes and we can't empathize with them, then there's no way. It's gonna, it makes it hard to, to convince them that you understand what they're going, to, going through. But then if we add this other one, if we treat people or love people the way that Christ loved us, which you know, eventually when he wrote this or, or spoke this, they didn't understand the extent that he was talking about which was being willing to die for someone, <clears throat> then your perspective and, and the way you treat other people is going to change a whole lot. And so we need to be willing to love one another. And not only is it important to love each other for, because God or Christ commanded us to, but then that, as the step beyond that, it says your love for one another will prove to the world that you're his disciples. And I think that's if, if they see us from the outside, and, and, and we're not really showing love for one another, or they can't really see that, and we're not known for that, then that's not going to be something that's, that's attractive to them. They're not going to say, oh, well, I want to be a part of that. If they see maybe fighting or, or, or people not getting along, and, and we're humans, that's going to happen. But if, if that tends to seem to be the theme of who you are, or, or you see a lot of the, these non-loving type attitudes, then that's going to push someone away rather than attract them to to the church. So that's why I added this verse because I think this part of it's important as we look through these next three people. And so looking at it from a Christian standpoint and more of an internal standpoint, I identified three Christians that I was going to to look at, at you know the day in the life of. The first one I put PK for those who don't know that's preacher's kid. The second one's going to be a new kid. And then we're going to look at someone who, you know, wasn't really raised in the church, but they're, they're still young and they're brought into the church. Maybe their family joins the church. And we're going to look at some kind of different perspectives and different dynamics that can happen there. And then the last one, I titled it A Girl. And the thought is around this, I, I want to look at being part of the church from the standpoint of a female. Because I think that's important. And and there's a reason I chose these three because I think a lot of these three are, are some of the areas that I've seen the most where we've had, me you know, not say issues, but I've seen opportunity, as we say in, in the business world, for, uh, for growth and for upcoming. And the reason I chose the preacher's kid, one, because that's me, and I have a, you know, great, a lot of experience growing up in the church so, as a preacher's kid, so we want, I wanted to look at that. So the first one, is the preacher's kid. His name is Chad. I'll let you guess who the, the, the real person's going to be in this story. Yeah. 
So I, I use myself for this one because I, I, not that I think I'm some great example as a preacher's kid, but as a preacher's kid, I, I, <clears throat> you get an introspective into the church that a lot of people don't get coming up in the church. You know, regular members, kids, you know, they, they don't see the, the, a lot of the inner workings or how the, how the hot dog's made, as, I, as I, sometimes people put it, of, the, the, of a church and coming up in the church. And with us, we were involved in many different churches, so I got a, a lot of different perspectives on, on the many churches growing up there. So these are kind of some of the things that I've learned growing up in the church. Okay, so the first one I said was I was born and raised in the church. So as being born and raised, like I said, you see the you, so unique, you see the positive, you see the negative, you see a lot of the, the different views. The other thing is, is there's a much higher expectation put on the preacher's kid than there is the regular, like a regular member's kid, I'll say. And, and I think that some of this applies to, to elders' kids and maybe even deacons' kids a little bit, but especially... The preacher's kid. Growing up as a preacher's kid, their eyes are on you and you're being watched constantly because there's just a higher expectation, all right? You are a reflection of the preacher. And so if you misbehave, well, then that means the preacher must not be doing something right or, you know, or, or, or raising, you know, there's a lot of different things. And it turned into what I refer to as a little bit of village parenting. So members of the church, being a preacher's kid, and you and you being, you know, the preacher kind of belonging to the church, so you kind of belong to the church too, the, the members felt it necessary or their duty to speak into your life whether they should or shouldn't. And, that, that, you know, so it was an interesting dynamic. I've, I learned, you know, early on just to, for the most part to not really pay a lot of attention to it. And, you know, we were taught just to kind of nod your head and, and go on and, you know, I knew how to handle that, but it, it, it led to an inter, interesting perspective of the church and its members because you were always kind of seeing things from a different dynamic, and you had different people speaking into your life on how you should or shouldn't do things, whether or not your parents said you could or could not do these things, and so it was interesting because there were times where dad said it was okay to do something, but then I'd come back to the church, and a church member would find out that I did it, and they'd be like, well, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> so, you know, it let me know that I shouldn't do that and, and, and even further on into some things. But So it was, it was an interesting perspective. And I'm going to cover three things or three themes that I've learned out of, I think, this growing up in the church as, as a preacher's kid. And the first one is how you or things look is most important. Now, this isn't all churches, but I'm telling you these are the themes that I've learned or, or seemed to see as I was going through it. And I'll, and I'll talk to this a little bit. And, and one of the other things I want to talk about and look at is psychologists have determined that it takes for every negative action or negative comment or negative things thrown towards someone, it takes five to seven positive actions or comments to undo those. So... Naturally, when you grow up and, and, you, and you have this dynamic, sometimes the negatives tends to stay with you more than the positive. So I don't want anyone to, to take away from this that my experience growing up in the church was all negative and horrible. I, I'm kind of doing like I did on the, on the first set of series. 
we're going to hit the, the kind of the negative things first, and then we're going to switch to the positive in, in the next series next week. So why I say this is because most of the time when someone came in the church to get on to me or to correct me for something, it wasn't really something biblical or unbiblical that I did or, or sin per se. It was more of how others perceived it or how it might look. One, the number one thing, and I probably will still get this to the, to, to the day I die, just because it's me and the way, it's the way I, I am, is the way I dress. I cannot tell you the number of times, the number of services, where I had people, some of it was elders, some of it was deacons, some of it was just regular church members, who told me because I was not wearing a suit and tie, that I was not giving my best to God, and that I really needed to start learning how to dress better. <laughs> Are you agreeing with that, Terry? <laughs> um, other things, you know, like they, some of them didn't like the friends that I had. Well, you really shouldn't have these friends. And I, and I would explain back to them, how am I supposed to get these people in the church if I do not befriend these people? And I, I'll say that's a common theme sometimes in the churches is we, we go too far to the one way or the other on this of not befriending people we probably should to try to get them into church. And so the, the theme that I got was, and I saw a lot of times was, it didn't really matter how you lived your Christian life as long as it looked like you did. And a lot of people, and so a lot was interesting, a lot of these same people who would correct me on these things, not a single one of their grown children was still in church. And so now I, I had enough respect and enough, we were taught well enough to not say things like that, but to them. And, and so th that was one of the themes that I saw. And I, I feel that you still see this in the church a lot. Say, and I'm not talking about just church or Christ. I'm talking about church, period, and, and Christianity, period. Is we, Sometimes how we think, make things look or how things look is more important than actually doing the things that Jesus said to do. And that's one of the things I liked about Jesus because he did things that the Pharisees, that looked bad, right? You know, going to a tax collector's house, you know, going, you know, going to these places that you know, he was going to and, and, me greet, and, and talking and associating with these people that he was associating with. Well, they, that, was not, that didn't look good. You shouldn't do that. And he corrected him and said, look, I'm not here to, do, to save the, the, the okay. Right? I'm here to, to reach sinners and bring the sinners to me and, and to save the world. So... That was kind of the first thing. The second thing, which was constant through my Bible classes, and I will say um, this was not taught at home for the most part, was that we are right and everyone else is wrong. And while I can agree, I'm not, well, I guess I can't agree with most of that. <laughs> I agree that we are right, but I can't agree with going and telling everyone else that they are wrong. Uh, and, and this is the approach that a lot of them took. And we still take this approach today, sometimes, is there was, there was teaching on why we believed what we believed, but there was so much more teaching, in our, and especially as we got older in our Bible classes, not of what we believe and why we believe and why we should believe it, but it was more of a theme of, well, this is what everyone else believes and everyone else is wrong, and this is what we discuss more than anything. And so I felt like we, we, we spent more time attacking others than we did building our own self up 
and focusing on ourselves and learning why we believe what we believe. So then we can go and not tell everyone else that they're wrong, but we can tell everyone what we believe and show them why we believe it. And then that way we, you're, you're more likely to convert someone. If I, and I'm going to use a recent example of something I saw, you know, uh, uh, some churches published a new seminar that they're going to have or a meeting, power meeting or something, I can't remember what it was called, what they're going to have, and it was called Correcting the Air. And in this pamphlet that they sent out, it basically is attacking every single different denomination as to why they are wrong. And then at the end, the very last subject was, it was, I can't remember the exact title, but it was case, just in case we missed any group in this whole list of people, the, the rest of who are wrong. You are not going to win souls. You are not going to convert anyone. You are not going to reach anyone who believes differently than you by attacking them. And so, again, and, and this may be, maybe this is part of the reason why I am the way I am and the way I think the way I think is because I saw, I, I realized a lot of this, is you're, uh, you, you don't win anyone else by telling them. If you go into someone telling them they are wrong or that they are in error and that they need to correct it, you, you will never win someone over by that. But if you can go to someone and say, hey, this is why I believe what I believe and this is, you know, this is where we come from, and you approach it in a, in, a, in a way of love, then you will win people over. The third one is the minister was their personal servant. And this was a unique perspective because I would see a lot of different things, and Dad being the way he did, because he is a servant of the Lord, he, I don't know how to word this, See, especially seeing how he's right here in the audience, <laughs> but uh, but he did he he was a servant and he and he continued to be a servant even though the attitude of some people were not correct. Let me put it that way. And when you hear things, and you hear elders and and some people say things like, "You know, we need to keep our preacher poor in order to keep him humble," or you know, this is the minister's job. You know, this is what we pay him to do when talking about like going and visiting someone or winning souls. You know, I'm not going to go visit that person. The preacher needs to go visit that person. That's his job, you know. Um, things like, uh, you know, uh, I want another was one time we, we had someone say that, you know, actually I think the multiple times we've, I've heard this one is, uh, you know, I never made that much in my career. Why should the preacher make that much? And, and comments like that. And so, when you, when you see that, you know, I say personal servant, sometimes I, I almost should have put slash slave because it's almost like the attitude of, well, we pay the preacher so he has to do everything we want him to do, and, and you know, especially from a, from a member standpoint. And that shouldn't be the way, but that, it, that is an attitude across the board on a lot of churches. You know, not just any church of Christ, but that is the attitude a lot of, across a lot of churches because can, I can study that and, and I look at a lot of the stats around that. But that's actually not what the preacher's job is. The preacher's job is to edify, right? Lift up and, and to, to bring the congregation up to a point to where they are doing the things that a lot of the things that the minister does do as well. And so that was kind of a third interesting perspective. Now, like I said, it wasn't all negative. Those are the, the three negative things I would say that I kind of come to mind for the most part when growing up in the church. 
Now, as a preacher's kid, you go up and you go through these things, and so it changes your perspective sometimes. And, and I know that some kid, preacher's kids will, because of things like this, will actually develop a, a harsh attitude or rejection of the church. You see that a lot of preacher's kids that grow up that reject the church and, and, and go find it. We were taught better. We were raised to you know, say, look, no, no entity, no institution, nothing's perfect. You have imperfect people. And so people are going to do things that, you know, that doesn't mean that the, the church in general is bad. It just means you have people in error. And so we were raised to believe in, and I believe to this day, all three of us, my brother and my sister, is the, this is the reason we're in the church. So even though we saw the negative side of things that can be, you know, how the sausage was made, in the end we were raised correctly and we were taught correctly to do this. And so my story changes a little bit. And, I, you know, I, I left home, went into college, and that's where I'm going to stop for the preacher's kid. <laughs> and, and we'll look at it next ways because my life could have gone one of two ways or maybe one of multiple ways, but I'm going to focus on, on the two. Of when I left, when I left, I say left church, when I left home and started living on my own and I went to college, my, change, my life changed and the way I did things changed a little bit. But we're, I want to look at that next week of, the two directions that it could have taken. A lot of y'all know my, my, mine and Helen's story, and we'll talk about that next week, but there's two ways it could have gone, and we're going to focus on those. So the next one, and I'm going to go through this one a little bit quicker, is the new kid. And, and I, for some reason, I just came up with the name Stephen for, for the new kid. He comes from a newly converted family who, who's brought into the church, right? And they're not raised in the church, so not, and they're not real well off. So they're not what we co- would call the, the church. They don't understand the the, what we do in the church building and, and our services and all that stuff because they're new. They're newly converted, and so they're learning. But one of the things that Stephen interacts or, or interacts with as he's coming in because they don't know these things is sometimes you get the little comments and the, the, the backhanded compliments. You know, you'll, they'll be here for a family day, and maybe the kids will, him and his brothers and sisters, will, will get more food than they should. You know, they don't come from a warehouse, and maybe they don't see food like that from a... But then you'll hear the... The, the people comment, well, I can't believe those kids did that. Or that you know. And so you have these little, I put compliments, didn't I? <laughs> yes, that should be, that should be, that's what happens when autocorrect doesn't realize that you meant a different word. Um, well, comments and then, I'm sorry, the comments and then the backhanded compliments is what I'm, what I'm referring to here. And so you'll, you'll get the, and we've, we, I've seen this a lot, and, and, I, and I think people mean well when they do it, but sometimes it's, you know, well, that looks nice, but it, but it would look better if you did this. You know, or, you know, they, they kind of give them a, <laughs> a, a, you know, I say a backhanded compliment because you say something to someone, but then you kind of turn it around and say, you know, because we want them to conform to the way that we think things should look, right? Now, I'm not saying all oh, that's bad. There's, you know, there's some things that you know, we do have to correct, in, but we need to do it in a loving way, and we, and we need to learn. And this is where I get into, you know, like I talked about last week, we get into our bubbles, right? When we're so used to things being a certain way that when it's, we see that differently, we instantly think, well, you need to, you know, you need to instantly conform to how, how we do things. And so we, we've got to learn how to approach some of these situations and how, how the comments that we say. And, you know, if someone comes in and maybe is 
wearing something that they shouldn't wear or, or, or maybe, you know, doing something a little different than, than the way we do it. We've got to learn how to talk to them about it in love. Go ahead, Steve. It's a little embarrassing, but it's okay. It's about this kind of thing. Knew nothing about the church, you know, was baptized, got converted, you know, accepted Jesus. And we got, we're going to get married. And I asked the elder about, you know, alcohol. <laughs> I did not know. I was, you know, I was a yep. dumb kid. I didn't know nothing. And he, he got kind of like mad at me. Yeah. No, we don't do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. You got to think about the person you're talking to, how much they know, yep. what, they, what their experience is, and, and, and go a little bit easier on them. Go easier on them, exactly. <laughs> so what I summed up from that is our elder wants to have alcohol at his wedding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that when, it, when it, uh, Steve was talking about way back when he was younger, he, he <laughs> yeah, he was, you know, asked about that and got a harsh reaction. And those are, those, that's a perfect example of, of things that, you know, the, the things that, you know, we've come to expect and have our expectations around, other people don't know, especially new people that we're bringing in. And so we've got to learn to approach that. Terry, you had your hand raised. Yeah, we assume that they are coming from a family where they get three meals a day and have a full refrigerator to snack on between meals, right? You know, those, those type of things. And so that goes to the next point, is sometimes they are looked down upon because they are not what we call church, right? They, they have not, you know, I, I call it church, you know, learn the church behaviors and, and things like that. Now, there are some things that we try to bring, a, you know, a consensus to and try to have order, and, and, you know, and, and we do need to correct if something's way out of order and stuff like that. But again, it's that approach of approaching it from a, from a loving standpoint. And, and I didn't spend a lot of time on this one because I just wanted to kind of throw this in there because there are times where we do see a lot of, you know, we get kids in from either families or from, from the, that people bring that, that are visitation, visitors. And you know what? They aren't. They're, they're not going to be dressed the best, right? They're not going to be the most well-behaved. They haven't been taught that they need to behave. You know, they're not going to, whenever they go through the line, at one of our meals, they're going to get as much food as they possibly can stack on that plate as high as they can stack it because maybe they've never seen anything like that. And so we, we need to learn, and that's where that empathy comes in of, of being, putting ourselves in their shoes and understanding where they come from and showing that extra measure of love and extra measure of grace because this new kid, what's, you know, what's going to happen when, as Stephen grows up? So we're going to look at this as Stephen grows up in the church and maybe he, you know, Again, there's a lot of positive that happens, but the, you know, from a psychological standpoint, you are going to focus and remember the negative more than you do the positive. So our goal should be to limit or at least lower the impact of anything negative that we might have to, to say or impact. Go ahead. We were in Tulsa. These two guys came forward one day to get their uh, life right with the Lord. Someone on a bus route had invited them, seen them out on the street. Jim, uh, Clem Witt was literally raised as a gypsy. Yeah. 
his cousin Ralph was with him. Jim had an afro, I mean <laughs> like that. Ralph had blonde hair down to his waist. They were converted. They were coming to church regularly, doing good, um, and people went to the elders about their hair. And the elders very wisely said, be patient. See, that's, a, that's the key. Mm -hmm. Be patient. Allow them to grow in Christ. They're going to come along. It wasn't but a couple of months. They got looking around and seeing. And one day, Clem come. He had his hair cut. I introduced myself to him <laughs> in the ministry. I didn't recognize the boy. He ended up being their bus mechanic. He, he and his wife and Ralph and his wife are faithful Christians to this day. have raised their children in Christ simply because... And eldership was wise enough to say to some people, be patient and leave these folk alone. Yeah. You know? and, and sometimes those are the things that, that we focus on that we, we shouldn't, you know, is the, the appearances. And I understand that it can be, that can be a generational thing as well, but, you know, we, we've got to learn that patience and that, that love and, and that grace because that situation could have gone completely different. You know, that, that, I mean, they could have gone to them and said, hey, you need to, this is, this is not good, you need to do this, you need to cut your hair and do all that stuff, and then maybe they didn't come back. And so, you know, we're, we're friends with Clem on Facebook. If he's watching, that'd be neat. But, uh, um, yeah, he's still good, good Christian family to this day because of that. So we're going to look at Stephen again. We're going to do like we did last time, and we're going to look and see. We'll use examples like that of, of the different directions that our influences and our comments and, and the different things, that, the way that can lead and, and how that can go to. So this last one, and i got 15 minutes to do this, and I hope I can get through it in 15 minutes, is... What I, what I just titled this one a girl. And then there's no particular name. I wanted the names to be your daughters and your mothers of the church. And there's a reason I, I picked this, this particular subject. And this one's not as easy to talk to and, and talk about, but I think we need to, especially in not just Church of Christ, but in churches today. Um, if anyone knows me, I, you know, I've got a wife and, and a daughter. Um, if you know anything about my past, all of my best friends, for some reason, I'm not sure why. I'm sure I could sit down with a shrink and we can find a psychological reason why somewhere. All my best friends growing up have always been girls. I, I don't know why. Maybe it was because I was the ultimate nerd and I was the king of the friend zone. I don't know, well, you know why that was. But uh, you know, my best friends in middle school and in high school, uh, all the way until I met, met Helen, they've always been females. And so I, I feel that I get a little bit of a different perspective from this, and then also having a, a daughter um, as well is a different perspective of being a, a girl or a female in the, in the church. And the one thing that I, the very first thing I'll say, being a female in the church can be hard. And, I, and I'll probably get some pushback. Maybe. I, I think being a Christian in general is hard. But I think sometimes being a, a female in the church can be hard, especially in today's culture. And, and there's a reason why I'm, I'm pushing on this in sentence. And there's, there's, there's two or three things that I'm going to focus on here. And the first one is, and I've seen this a lot, a lot of times in the church, girls are mostly told what they can't do. And what I mean by this is, well, you can't be this. Or you can't do that. Now, I'm not pushing back on strong biblical teaching, right? I'm not saying that we need to start making females elders, and, and I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. 
But what what I'm pointing to is a lot of times we focus on, well, you can't do this and you can't be this and, and, and you're not allowed to do this instead of focusing and teaching on what you can do. You know, this, this, these are the things that, that you, you can do. These are the areas that you can serve. These are, you know, and showing them the importance of this area and then showing them the reason and talking about the reason why God has set up a biblical leadership the way that he has. And so I, I think we've missed an opportunity with this on, on, on teachings and, and around this because I, I've heard so many times, and I know this comes from ignorant people who really don't understand it. It's like, well, you know, you, you hear teachings of, well, the Bible says women need to be silent, so women need to be silent, you know. And, and while that's not the majority thinking of most people in the church, sometimes they can be the most vocal and, and, and sometimes that gets the most attention. And so we've got to learn to counteract that. So I'm not saying that we, we do a horrible job in this, but I'm, what I'm saying is I, I believe personally and from my own life experiences, when I, I'm not a girl, I can't truly know what it's like, you know, but I can try to put myself in their shoes and from the experiences of what I see, and I think we can do a better job here of, of teaching this and what, they, you know, the, what their abilities are and what they can do and what they can be. This is another one, and this one's hard, and some people may disagree with me, but I've seen this up until this very day sometimes, is that they are taught that not only is she responsible for her actions and behavior, she is also responsible for boys' men's actions and behavior. You got a comment, Terry? I do. I'm just thinking about how I can work. <laughs> you still stay employed. Yeah, so I'll say it for you. Um, this is one that bothers me a lot. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is one where I've had conversations where I had to walk away because, honestly, I was going to punch someone in the throat. And I know Helen's probably cringing because I just said that, but it's the truth. I I sat down and I had conversations with with two men, and basically the gist was, well, boys will be boys, and, you know, there's nothing much we can do about it. I have seen comments and, and things and this is more around, I think, my daughter than, than the, the female and the women I had in my life who were my friends. But a lot, of this, a lot of the comments was, well, if she didn't dress like that, then he wouldn't have done that. Well, if, and I'm not, to clarify, I'm not, a, I'm not uh, you know, justifying you know, people not dressing or women not dressing in a, in a modest fashion. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is we have took the responsibility a lot of times off of our boys and our men to act and behave the way boys and men should, and we've made excuses saying, well, if she didn't do that or if she would dress appropriately or if she had done that, then that wouldn't happen. That is not a good teaching. And I, and I will tell you uh, that this is being taught to this very day in our churches. Not here, hopefully, but I will tell you that it is because it's been said to my daughter to her face, and it needs to be, if, you, if you are one of them, you need to correct it because it's not correct. And I'll say that, and that's kind of where I'll leave that. But we need to get away from this mentality and this mindset. And this, again, this is not a church of Christ thing. This is, not a, this is a religious thing. This is a lot of times just a worldly thing. And we need to learn that, yes, all of us are responsible for our own behaviors and the way we, we act and behave. And then the third one is a lot of times there's a double standard, and it kind of feeds back to the first one and a higher accountability. 
we see a lot of times where maybe it's okay for a guy to do this, but it's not okay for the girl to do this. Or, you know, it's, it's you, you, you are, you know, the guy feeds back to that first one. You control what this person does by what you do. And I'm a guy, right? I understand sometimes the, the mindset, you know, guys, guys are visual people, right? And we, re- we, we respond to visual stimulation. But it still does not, I, I am still in control of my body and myself, right? And, and we need to, to, to figure this out from a double standard standpoint because I've seen so many times where if a girl did something, then she was going to be attacked for it, but if a guy did it, okay, you know, we'll let that pass. And, and some of these things that I'll talk about, you know, they're held to a higher accountability. One of them that I'll, 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 I'll speak to, mainly I think because this one's close to my heart, is teenage pregnancy. If a girl gets pregnant, she's kicked out of a school. But if a guy gets a girl pregnant, he's still allowed to go to school. Then. If a girl gets pregnant, well then she's a whore or, you know, she's this or she's these type of things. But the guy that got her pregnant, well, you know, you know, not much. Is, is it. And, and some people may disagree with me on this, but I, I've seen this with my own eyes. And, I, and I've seen this a lot. And I don't know where 100% where it comes from. I, I don't know why. But I think as one, men who are supposed to be leaders of the church need to step up and make sure that, that we look at this and we correct this and two if we're going to be those leaders of the church we, we definitely need to make sure that one i believe since we are supposed to be the, the leaders and and the christ-like people of the, the leaders of the church we need to hold ourselves we're the ones that need to be held to a higher accountability versus maybe some others and so like i said this one this one's a hard one to talk about because a lot of people may disagree with me on it and I know there actually probably is some people who disagree with me on it wholeheartedly. Yeah. As someone who's over many, uh, several committees and co-leaders, um, going back to your first point, women, if it hadn't been for the women, these committees wouldn't have went anywhere. Yeah. And that's... There are certain... I mean, we, we do have guys in there. Don't get me wrong. But if it hadn't been for the women in the background doing things, and they don't get credit for it, yeah. our teachers, Majority of our teachers are women, um, but they're not—they're not things they're not like they should be. Yeah. People see the men in the service doing the service. They're the ones that get, and I don't—they're not doing it for praise. Right. I can say that right now. But they do need to be thanked from time to time, and I don't yep. think we do a good job doing that. I would agree. Uh, I think that our teachers are very, very dedicated, and they put a lot into. I'm glad you brought that up, Robbie, because I was going to speak to that. So Robbie basically talked about, and, and I'll sum it up, if it were not for the women of the church, the church would not be here. I, I can tell you that 100%. And that, and that kind of summed up somewhat he, he said. Because I will tell you, in the background, growing up in the church, in the background, it was the the women who always made things happen. You know, a lot of times it was, 
you know, not, not to say that the men didn't contribute. I'm not going to say that. But I, I, can tell, I, can, I can go back and I can think of so many times where a lot of times the men basically just had to show up and, and, and lead, you know, whatever we were doing. Or we, because in the background it, it, was, it was taken care of. And, and, I, I, and, I, and I think what, that Robbie goes to the point there. We need to make sure we point that out. And we need to make sure that, you know, because even though the, 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 the leadership structure of the church that Christ has given us may look hierarchical, we are all level, we are all the same at the cross. And if you look at the biblical examples, and I wish I, I should have thought to, to put more Bible verses around this on this, but we are to be arm in arm, right? The same. As we go through the church, we are to be, you know, it's not, it's not me up here and, 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 and the, woman, the woman or the lady down here. We are supposed to all be the same. You know, we have different roles that we are to fulfill, but we're all supposed to be right here because we're all sinful people. We're all, you know, we're all the same when it comes to, to in God's eyes, at the cross. And, and he did set up the, the leadership structure for a reason, but it does not mean that we are to, to, to lord that over them. If anything, we are to lower ourselves to his standard, which he did. He became a servant or a slave to the people. And that's the same type of leadership that we should show. And so that, that's why I wanted to talk through this one, because I think sometimes we, we get this wrong. And I know there's some churches who have gotten this so wrong and so backwards, you know, that, you know, people have left. And I, I talked to a lady one time. We were, <laughs> we were sitting at a, uh, in a conference room at a, at a meeting. In a, this was a, in, a, in a hospital. And she just asked, you know, where I went to church, and I told her Church of Christ. And she looked at me, and I thought she was going to stab me for a minute. She said, I'll never step foot in another Church of Christ. And then she went on to explain to me uh, what happened and the way she was treated because she was a woman and things that were said to her and things that were done. And, uh, and all I could say to her was, I'm sorry, I can understand why you would not, and tried to let her know that, that is not the way most churches are. Now, so we've, we've, got the, the, we've got to pay special attention to these things because we can lose. I, th I think we have the potential to gain or the potential to lose a lot of, of our, our women in our church because of some of these, these things that, we, that, that sometimes we do that maybe we don't even think about. I don't know. I think some of us think about it. And that's what I love about this church is because we're not like that. And I can speak to that and I can say that wholeheartedly. But there's, there's things we've got to look at. You know, one of the things that I saw in the last several months is I saw an article that was written that compared women's role in the church alongside the LGBTQ community. And I, I saw it, and I was just like, I was blown away. And I sent it to Helen, and I just wanted to get her perspective, and I, and I asked her what she thought about it, and she said, that would make me never want to step foot in a church. And I, I was just like, okay. And so we've got, to, we've got to watch how we approach these things. Yes, there's a biblical standard that we have, and there's a biblical standard we have to set, but it doesn't mean that we treat people less because of it. So I want, we're going to look at this, and we're going to look and see two different ways this can go and how we can, how we can go forward with this and how, we, you know, how it could go in a positive direction and how it could go in a negative direction. And I get that this probably is making some of y'all uncomfortable. It makes me, I'm up here talking about it, so I'm very uncomfortable. But I, I think these are things that we need to look at and address because if we're going to make the church what it's supposed to be, 
then we need to look in the, and put ourselves in a day in the life of these people that who, who we see and who, who exist and what the things that they see. And we've got to step out of our little bubbles and we've got to learn to see things from, from different perspectives. So next week we will continue this on, but we're going to look at it to, to, okay, so we've seen these people and some of the things they experience. Now we can see which direction will these people go based on the things that they experience and they run into, some of them when they hit the hard times or some of them whenever things are a little more open uh, for them and they, they have their freedom to do the things that they want to do. So we'll look at that next week. Thank you.